I'm Yergin. And I'm Drew B. And we are currently at Laurel Hill Cemetery in Saco, Maine. And this week, we're doing the Kanika Jenkins case. And this was a listener suggestion from YouTube. So thank you so much for the suggestion, Chiffon. Thank you, Chiffon. This was a case that gained a lot of notoriety a few years ago. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around it, so we're going to dive all into that shortly. But if you're listening on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. We just hit 666 <laughs> subscribers. So thank you to everyone that's been helping us out with that and showing support. So if you haven't done so yet, if you're new here, we release new videos every week. So hitting subscribe and the bell notification. <laughs> a bee just flew by your ear. Oh my god. We'll let you know as soon as the video drops. And from what I understand, YouTube doesn't like to recommend true crime content, or so I am told, allegedly. So subscribing goes a long way. Are we keeping that? Yeah, of course we're keeping that. A bee almost just flew in your face. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, the Kanika Jenkins case. 19-year-old Kanika Jenkins was found dead inside a latched freezer of the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois, after attending a party there on September 10th, 2017. The medical examiner's report found Jenkins' death to be accidental. Alcohol and topiramate, most might know this as Topamax, I've also heard it pronounced topiramate, found in her system were thought to have hastened the effects of hypothermia sustained by Jenkins remaining inside the freezer. While the Rosemont Police Department did not suspect foul play, they stated that their investigation was incomplete. Jenkins' family and friends criticized the initial police response and a lawsuit was subsequently filed against the hotel and others, which I believe is still withstanding currently and hasn't been resolved yet. Kanika Jenkins was celebrating with friends at a party that took place in room 926 of the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel in Rosemont, which which is the suburb of Chicago. The party started at 11.30 p.m. on a Friday, September 8th, 2017. Freaking teenagers partying that late. Also, <laughs> it, sh it should be noted, okay, I'm not above this. I have been in such parties. Me too. I, 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 hotel room parties. I, it should be noted that mm -hmm. I've read people say it was booked with a fake ID. And someone else's credit card. Yeah, someone, someone else's credit card that wasn't actually there. I can't say for certain. This is just what I've read. No, I'm not above this either. I'm just kind of reminiscing about what it was like to start a party at 1130 p.m. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like long asleep by now. I know. <laughs> these days. Yeah, times they certainly have have changed for me for sure me too so an acquaintance who had arrived at the party noticed that jenkins appeared to be swaying back and forth as she embraced him in a hug several witnesses reported seeing her drink cognac but did not see her partake in any marijuana or other, any other drugs another witness reported that jenkins wasn't acting like her usual self noting that she danced a little but she appeared to be sad and went to go sit down by herself she was briefly seen with others walking through the halls of the hotel and camera footage later surfaced of Jenkins staggering near the front desk at about 3.20 a.m. About one hour later, Jenkins' friends contacted her mother, Teresa Martin, who arrived at the hotel around 5.30 a.m. to assist in the search. She proceeded to knock on many guest doors from the top floor to the bottom until a hotel employee called 911 to complain. Hotel management stated that they could not provide access to video footage from the night before until someone reported Jenkins missing to the police, who officially reported her missing to hotel management at 1.15 
15 p.m. Saturday. Family members later characterized the initial police response as lacking in urgency. A first check of camera footage that focused on entrances and exits turned up nothing. But at 10 p.m., police spotted footage of Jenkins stumbling through the hotel. Her whereabouts remained unknown until she was found in the hotel's freezer and pronounced dead at 12.48 a.m. Sunday. She was found lying face down on her side with one shoe off. There was no sign of trauma other than a small cut on her foot. The temperature inside the freezer was found to be 34 degrees Fahrenheit, which I believe is 1 degree Celsius. And this was approximately two hours after the doors had been left open. So it was much, much colder. I know you worked in restaurants before as well, but have you ever been into one of these freezers? Nothing super fancy. So we had a walk-in freezer at the restaurant I used to work in, but there was a light in there that was always on and you could get out easily. Yeah, so that's um, what I was like really wondering about this because we had a similar setup when I worked at the Lewiston McDonald's in high school. So it was one of those walk-in freezers that you access from within the walk-in fridge. So first you go into the walk-in fridge and then it's a separate door with a smaller freezer. And yeah, it's pretty horrific inside of it when you're actually in the freezer part. Okay. But yes. all of those, you could just push the door back open again. And I'm pretty sure there's fail safes too to yeah. stop stuff like that from happening when I went to the Montreal Zoo, I went on tour of their feeding facilities and where they keep some of the food for the animals there. And they let us stand in the walk-in freezer, which was kept very cold. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. But when they shut us in, I saw that you could easily just open it up from the inside as well. I would guess that legally it has to be that way to prevent deaths such as these. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing to note. I think also it should be noted, I can't remember where I read this, but when they were trying to get the hotel to cooperate and the police to become involved, because they tried reporting her missing, and the police said, oh, she's probably sleeping off her night of partying, we can't report her missing for 24 hours. Not only did they knock on a bunch of doors, I believe they pulled the fire alarm yes. at the hotel to try to get the police to so show up. So I believe up. Her, her mother then came to the hotel and they began just doing their own search, knocking on guest doors, walking around with flyers. And then at one point they pulled a fire alarm in hopes that if she was still inside the hotel, she'd come out. Yes, which I don't believe that Teresa Martin, her mother, got in trouble for, as she no, shouldn't, in she my shouldn't. opinion. In my opinion, she should not be in trouble for that. And I don't believe she was so the freezer which had been which was on and working was described as a walk-in freezer within a walk-in cooler kind of like the one that i described and was part of an unused kitchen lights were apparently turned off in both chambers when she entered them questions remain as to why the freezer was turned on although it was reportedly being leased out to a restaurant using the space in the hotel I heard that there were some renovations going on in the hotel and they were actually opening up another restaurant inside of it so that this kitchen was going to be part of that. Okay. That's what I heard. I didn't hear anything specifically about another place leasing it out. I heard in some of the research that I did actually this morning that it belonged to another restaurant within the hotel. Yeah, I didn't see anything about that specifically, but from what I understand is that it wasn't easily accessible for the public to get in there. Yeah, so a so, lot of these things aren't generally. Yeah, and I mean,
mean, sure, you could get in there, but usually there's locked doors and things of that nature. Some people say that, oh, there were employees only stuff like that. Well, if somebody's inebriated, they might not notice or care. But secondly, even if there is that stuff, there's usually preventative measures to prevent guests from getting in there. Isn't there an alarm system that would trigger potentially? Potentially. Or some key card system? I don't understand this. Yeah, you would think there'd be at least a key card system, but I don't really know if this is a newer hotel or kind of an older classic hotel or or whatnot. Maybe they don't have those types of fail safes. If you're from the area or have been there or know anything about this, please leave us a comment or send us an email because we would really like to know. We have never been to Chicago besides the airport. Interesting thing to note, and the cameras showed her not just walking around the guest hallways and near the front desk, but they did show her stumbling around in the basement by the freezer, but there's no released footage of her opening the freezer or getting in there. Right. They also found footage of her staggering into the men's room. I mean, she definitely was a bit inebriated at this point. On October 6, 2017, the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office ruled Jenkins' death an accident. The autopsy report found no illegal drugs in Jenkins' system, but her blood alcohol level was found to be 0.112 above the legal driving limit. Traces of Topamax, a drug used to treat epilepsy and migraine headaches, were found in her system, although she was never prescribed this medication according to her family. Now, from what I've read is not only did they detect Topamax or Topiramate, whichever term you want to use for it, Topamax is the name brand of it, and Topiramate is the generic brand name, if I'm correct. What I recall reading, based on the toxicology reports, they were able to establish long-term use of this drug, yet her mother claimed that she was never prescribed this. I don't know if medical records were released confirming this or anything like this, but that's what the family was saying. Mm -hmm. Topiramate taken together with alcohol can enhance the effects of both, allegedly hasten the onset of hypothermia, the presence of which was confirmed by lesions found in Jenkins' stomach. Brain swelling was also observed, but this condition was not associated with the cause of death. The Rosemont Police Department issued a statement the same day saying that while no foul play was suspected, their investigation had not yet been completed. But as of today, it is a closed case officially. It should also be noted that there was no sign of sexual assault or any other aspect of foul play. She was found in the freezer with her shirt pulled up, exposing herself. This can be related to something we've talked about in previous yes, episodes. Yes, in, in the Elisa Lamb case. Paradoxical undressing, I believe, yep, when is the you, name for when it. When you start to go into hypothermia and start to get in a panic state, what you can start doing is just pulling your clothes off. So in that the story we're talking about, it's very interesting that th- this gets brought up because it was also a mysterious hotel death as well with Elisa Lamb. It's true. She was found undressed in the cisterns on top of the hotel with all of her clothes off. It should be noted that when they found people in, let's say, cabins in the woods frozen to death, quite often they'll find them naked and they've crawled into a cabinet and they just go in there to die, basically. But at the time, that's not their thought process. So allegedly what happens, based on what I've read, is that towards very late stage hypothermia when you're approaching death, you don't actually feel really cold. You actually feel really hot. And what you'll end up doing in your delirium is taking all of your clothes off. And so this is not, in my opinion, I'm obviously not a medical examiner or anything like that. This is just my personal opinion, that this is not a sign of sexual assault or foul play 
based on the fact that her shirt was almost off. Her mother tried to use this as a reason as to why there was potentially foul play. And I do think that there is a reason for her to put forth a lawsuit against the hotel. However, in my personal opinion, I do not believe that she was sexually assaulted. No, I don't either. Just based on other things that I know, like what we discussed with the Elisa Lamb case. That was the first thing I thought of when I was reading this case. Yeah. Now, could she have been drugged with the intent to assault her, but that assault never came to fruition? I think that's possible. I don't believe as it sits right now, she was ever assaulted. That's my personal opinion. On the topic of the toxicology, since a lot of this is out of my... Out of your wheelhouse? Yeah, out of my realm of proficiency on the topic. We actually brought in a clinical pharmacist. Dr. Nathan Liberty's PharmD is going to answer a few questions about some of the things that we found based on what was reported from toxicology about the drug Topamax, just to try to give us a better perspective on what could have happened here from a pharmacology perspective. So if you could just quickly, for the viewers, say who you are, what your credentials are, and what you do. Oh, sure. Yep. So my name is Nathan Liberty, and I am a clinical pharmacist, and I hold board certification in pharmacotherapy. And you've been working in the pharmaceutical industry for over 10 years now, right? It's been a while. In terms of my current role as a pharmacist, it's been uh, about three years prior Mm -hmm. to me completing graduate school. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry in a couple of different ways. But in terms of my clinical experience, I've had about three years of clinical experience, including postgraduate training. Okay. And what was your postgraduate training in? So I did, it's called a PGY-1. So it's a postgraduate year one training. And this prepares the clinician to work in the hospital environment and to make clinical decisions and recommendations and work directly with physicians and other advanced practice providers to provide direct patient care and many settings. Okay. So even though a lot of your doctorate level experience is obviously in a clinical setting, in an inpatient setting, you're still very familiar with a lot of drugs that probably wouldn't be given in uh, acute patient care, but things that people would take at home, such as like topiramate and things like that, right? Absolutely. My training is complete. Um, I can speak to really any questions you have uh, regarding these drugs or really any recreational drugs or any drugs that are prescribed for a multitude of indications. Okay, awesome. So let's start with topiramate then, since that is the controversial drug in this case. So first of all, topiramate, usually from my understanding, it's taken as an anti-seizure medicine. I've known people who've taken it for bipolar disorder. But despite that, can you think of any other reasons that a person would take it? Like, could it be taken recreationally? Sure. So as you outlined, topiramate or topamax is the brand name, can be used for a whole host of indications. Generally speaking, it's used for its anti-seizure properties. It's actually classified as a miscellaneous anticonvulsant, but it does have use uh, in the setting of other mood disorders as well as uh, headaches and even to help folks remain abstinent from cocaine use and even alcohol use, it can help dampen the the effects of withdrawal just based on how it works. I I think that's a really good place to start because that that will then answer your question. So it's possible that someone might want to take 
to pyramate recreationally, but it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh, to, to use as a recreational drug. The only way that I could see someone uh, having some sort of pleasurable effect from it is if you were to combine it with alcohol, but that's quite dangerous because of the way it works. So it works on your GABA receptors, gamma aminobutyric acid, and these receptors are found throughout our central nervous system in our brain. And what these do, they're an inhibitory receptor. When they're activated, they inhibit neurotransmission and slow our body down. What this means is that when you pair it with a substance like alcohol, which also affects your GABA system, the effects of alcohol and the drug topiramate are magnified. So what this results in is ataxia. Folks will feel very sedated, lethargic, and confused. So imagine someone who's already pretty drunk taking something like this and just magnifying all those effects. Okay, yeah, that was going to be my next question because in this case, she was above the legal limit in alcohol, according to toxicology, her blood alcohol content, as well as having therapeutic levels of Topamax in her blood. So given that, you would say that that would be enough to cause some sort of bad reaction between the two? It certainly could, depending on the level of topiramate or Topamax that was found in her blood. The interesting thing is that the effects wouldn't be immediate because this drug takes uh, some time to work. So after you take it, it has to be absorbed. And then usually at around two hours, you'll see its peak effect. And it has a really long half-life. So what that means is it stays around in your body for a while. Imagine a hill that slowly slopes up to its peak and then kind of stays much higher than, say, sea level. And then it slowly comes back down to sea level that's kind of what the drug concentrations would look like in someone after they ingested it. Okay, yeah, and that that kind of coincides with another question I was going to ask because we read that they were able to allegedly tell that she had been taking topiramate for a long time. Uh, is that something that's easily recognizable with most drugs or can long-term use only be detected in certain medications? So it's very specific to each medication. It's based off things like I mentioned their half-life. It's based mm -hmm. on things called secondary metabolites. And it's also based off how your end organ function is doing because most medications are either uh, metabolized by your liver and, and or excreted through your urine. So if you have liver dysfunction or kidney dysfunction, it may prolong the period of time that those drugs are actually in your body. So uh, in terms of Topamax, because its half-life is about a day, in someone with normal kidney function. If she had been taking it for a while, her average plasma or blood concentration might have been pretty sustainable. There is one caveat though to that. If she had taken an incredible amount of the drug, then her blood levels, depending on the time between ingestion and when they sampled her blood, could have reflected or could have looked like someone who had taken it for a long period of time. So it's really hard for me to say whether or not they could definitively say, yeah, she's been taking this for a long period of time, or if you know she had just taken a whole lot and hadn't cleared enough of it, uh, what you'd expect after a normal dose. Okay. Theoretically, could alcohol and topiramate hasten the effects of hypothermia if someone was exposed to 30 degree, 34 degree Fahrenheit temperatures? So interestingly enough, topiramate actually can to some small level increase your your body temperature 
and it can make your body not cool itself very easily. So it potentially could have had the opposite effect. Uh, that being said, it, without me knowing the exact circumstances, um, it, it's really hard for me to speculate. Yeah, understandably so. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about this. And before wandering off and being discovered dead, she was at a hotel party where there was a lot of drinking and there was drug use. Are there any untraceable date rape drugs that you know of or you can only be traced in a short amount of time or a short window? Because the one of the theories is, is that she was given an untraceable date rape drug, but I haven't heard of anything like that. Have you? So the properties required for a quote untraceable date rape drug uh, are as follows. You want something that is highly orally bioavailable because that's how you're going to give it to someone, right? Yeah. Um, something that will be absorbed really quick from your gut and something that will last a handful of hours, but be metabolized out pretty quickly you know i guess the duration really depends on on the circumstance but basically you want something that's fast in fast out and doesn't have any secondary metabolites that you could test for mm -hmm. um, so there are a couple drugs come to mind but um, i don't want to give people ammo to to date rape because Fa oh I fair enough certainly don't con condone that no fair enough but um Theor theoretically like are those things possible um absolutely and, yeah. and are there some that just don't show up on like natural screens that i don't know how familiar you are with uh toxicology post-mortem mm -hmm. but uh ones that somebody would have to spend send out a special test uh to look for and not something that they would normally screen um it's possible uh that they're they would have to send out a special test. Most of them that um, are commonly used for other reasons would show up on a general tox screen. But again, the caveat is how long between ingestion and metabolism and that su subsequent sampling of that patient's blood, how much time elapsed? Uh, because you could theoretically get dose someone with a substance that works pretty quickly, get them to where you want them and commit any heinous act and then either abandon them there or move them. If enough time goes by, they could metabolize that drug out. And okay. It, it may not show up on a tox report. So it all, it all depends on the circumstance. Okay, that's good to know. I, I think the thing that people need to realize in their minds, I think some people think that a lot of drugs are untraceable and some people think that all drugs are traceable. I think how you put that across, that kind of reality check is something people need to have a better idea of in their mind when they look at cases like this and try to figure out what happened. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. The only other thing that I thought of, I did read that possibly Topamax does have some weight loss properties. Now, is this one, true? And two, would that be a reason someone would get a prescription for this or is there some sort of black market for topamax for weight loss going on with teenagers do you think that's a interesting question so actually there is an indication for binge eating disorder it's it's interesting that it might have black market use there but again it's it's all speculation from my part but that's certainly possible topamax isn't a scheduled drug right like it's not scheduled to um it's nope, the it's, lowest schedule it's right Exactly. It's a prescription medication, but not otherwise scheduled by the government. Thoughts on the ceiling. 
the new single by Nautix. Available on Bandcamp now. Link in the description. Jenkins' friend's stories remain inconsistent as to exactly what happened after the party. After she went missing, one friend texted another about how Jenkins was drunk and missing. The reply came back, Find Kanika, and I can't believe y'all lost her. They told Martin that Jenkins had gone downstairs with some people, but they had left her alone to go and retrieve a cell from one of the hotel rooms. And I'm assuming Martin is her mother. Is that who they're talking about? Yes. Yes. yes Teresa. Are. Yeah, Teresa Martin. So I've read some of the accounts. There are some interviews with some of her friends on YouTube. They're quite lengthy. I've only thumbed through them. But the stories are different, but I don't necessarily think it means that foul play happened. I know there was one story that Kanika went to go get her keys and her cell phone, but they lost her. And we can get into some of the conspiracy theories about that in a minute here. So hold that thought in your head. The family's attorney, Jeffrey Figer, I believe it is, filed a $50 million lawsuit against the hotel and others. He displayed photos of a freezer door showing that it had a lock button from the outside and suggested someone may have inadvertently locked the freezer door. This was contradicted by the security camera, which recorded no other footage since August 30th, nor any after Jenkins footage. The photos seemed to not be of the actual freezer door, which latched shut, but apparently had no lock. A white circular handle on the inside, which would have enabled the person to exit on their own, appeared to be in good working order. The attorney asserted that the hotel had the means to lock off the kitchen area as it had a pair of plywood doors with a padlock. So with that out of the way, the conspiracy theories. uh, So some of these are pretty ridiculous. The most ridiculous one being that... Selena Gomez needed a kidney transplant. Yes, I'm not kidding. Selena Gomez specifically needed a kidney transplant and decided to pick Kanika as the one to take the kidney from. This is a legit (laughs) conspiracy theory going around. It's unfortunate because so many of these conspiracy theories and allegedly people are contacting Kanika's mother directly and saying this stuff. Just how inconsiderate can you be? But some of the more sane ones, most I don't think hold water. A lot of them reference a Facebook Live video from one of Kanika's friends. I believe her name was Irene. Yes, the girl with the red hair. So I've watched this video in full, and a lot of people in the YouTube comments are saying, oh, look, this person has a gun pulled on someone else in the room, or this person hit somebody else. You could hear them raping Kanika. Well, listen, I've been to some crazy parties. I'll tell you what, if somebody hits somebody else, ain't nobody going to be that chill in there. Everybody was so chill. No one reacted like somebody pulled a gun. Nobody reacted like somebody was hit. Nobody reacted like somebody was being raped. Yes, there was some weird things said, like we gonna go murder somebody right about now, but it could have been a joke. Yeah, there's times where you think you hear crying, but again, the autopsy didn't show any signs of sexual assault. I just really have a hard time believing this, and I think most of the people in there might have said something or put a stop to that or wouldn't be all willy-nilly like, oh, yeah, let's party while somebody's having something heinous done right in front of them. There was another kind of side theory with that, too, with another friend of hers, Monifa, who actually is in a lot of pictures with her, that she got paid 
$200 to set the whole assault up. $200. And not just the assault. She was paid $200 to kill her. Yeah. It doesn't hold water to me. No, I don't think so either. It's a little bit strange. None of these things make sense. And again, if she was paid to do a hit... Why was Kanika wandering about? There is footage of her wandering about the hotel. I will connect this with the conspiracy theory that I think is more plausible, though I don't think I've seen anyone put it forth. But here's what I believe is the most likely foul play. I use the term foul play loosely. And again, this is just my opinion. Here's what I think happened. So there is video of Kanika wandering around the hotel and wandering for an hour and 30 minutes there's plenty of footage of this she is clearly inebriated she's bumping into things she's not able to keep herself up straight just to basically trace the wall to keep herself yes she's basically leaning up against the wall the entire time she almost falls a couple times and has to grab a handrail at least once you see that. I tell you what, you know, I used to be a somewhat heavy drinker. Only one time in my life, and it was the first time I ever drank, have I ever been that inebriated. So the Topamex in her system, along with the booze, like she was probably pretty screwed up. Yeah, I was assuming that this is legit a drug interaction, yeah. not just alcohol. Again, as we talked about in the interview, could she have been slipped a roofie that didn't show up? In or a date rape drug because Ruhypnol isn't the only date rape drug. But I, I think what we're seeing is more likely alcohol mixed with Topamax. But regardless, she wanders into an elevator and ends up in the very bottom floor. I believe the basement of the hotel. Why I don't think there is foul play here is nobody knew that she was going to do that. Nor do I think she could have been instructed to go down there by herself. She then wanders into this kitchen that's not being used. You don't see anyone down there. If I had to guess, I wouldn't think that anyone is down there. I don't think so either. So one reason I believe this is there's a few videos we watched that basically recreate her entire journey over that hour and a half before she ended up in the freezer. These cameras, they're motion activated. I mean, there's many YouTube videos you can check out to see this. Anytime she's moving or it catches her, if she goes off screen and then back on, on screen you'll see like a red box this doesn't happen anywhere for anybody else at any point in time it's just her this entire time and you can actually like do the math of when she would come in and out of screen for this yes if there's going to be anybody else there, they would have seen something. So a lot of tweets we see, Justice for Kanika, the video is heavily edited. I wouldn't say so. I think they just don't really understand how this camera footage works. Now with Elisa Lam, who we covered, that was absolutely completely edited. And it was proven it was edited based was on, edited. The, on the timestamp. Now, let me entertain the conspiracy theory because people, I'm sure, will say to this, well, they could have easily edited out anyone else who was in that footage. And that's true, but... But let's think about if that were the case, how much effort would there had to be? So it'd have to be a hotel employee or else the hotel would have no skin in the game. And then it would have to go how far up the chain of command to get something like that edited? How many people would have to be in the know and keep their mouth shut and keep that evidence out of the way? However, I do think it's possible that the footage was edited and not in the way that you think. So she stumbled into the room with the freezer. It shows 
shows her entering the rough area where that is. However, it does not show her in front of the freezer, and it doesn't show her opening the door and going in. In fact, the camera that's on the freezer is deactivated. They claimed it was deactivated and it's been deactivated. Well, that's really a funny camera to be deactivated. Now, could it by coincidence have just not been active? Yes, that is possible. What I think is more likely, and I'm not saying this is fact, I'm saying that if you're going to entertain a conspiracy theory, in my opinion, this is the more likely one to entertain, is that they claimed it was not active and really just deleted the footage because what you would have saw is something that would have indicted the hotel in a civil suit. Maybe some sort of faulty equipment. Maybe she fell and hit her head off something in that kitchen. Maybe there was just something malfunctioning in the freezer itself. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I think that's more likely that somebody deleted the footage off that camera in order for the hotel to dodge a civil suit. Right, because if anybody else was going to be pushing her in there or anything, you would have seen it on another working camera. Yeah, and also think about it like this. Let's say somebody was hiding there, and on that footage you see somebody waiting for Kanika. There is no way they would have known that she was going to come down there. She was too inebriated to be directed, and her path of traveling, absolutely random, unless somebody was waiting in the security room and communicating to somebody that, hey, this is where this girl's going, catch her. I just don't think this is possible. This it requires impeccable timing. And if somebody just happened to be down there cleaning and they see a girl like that stumble in, do you think their first thought is, man, I could kill that girl? I, I just, I... While not impossible, I don't think that's highly probable. And at 3.30 in the morning, there aren't a lot of staffers at any hotel. No, Regardless. there's not. There's a skeleton crew, and they're probably not down there, especially if it's in a location that's not being used. It's someone at the front desk half asleep. While I'm all for entertaining some conspiracy theories, if you listen to our Elisa Lamb episode, we both think she was murdered. We both think that there was a cover-up. And this is a hotel case. And again, do I think something's being covered up? I think it's possible, but I don't think she was murdered. Yeah, I don't think that in this case, there is a murder. There is perhaps a cover-up, in my opinion, Andrewby's opinion, that something is being covered up by the hotel for civil reason. But I don't think it's a, a matter of the police dropping the ball to lose evidence of a murder, per se. I think they did a lot of things to drop the ball in which they could have found her a lot sooner. I think the police were inept and irresponsible irresponsible i don't think they destroyed evidence no i i don't think it's like a destroyed evidence thing but however you can entertain the what ifs of if they would have acted sooner could they have found her alive in the freezer maybe it's definitely possible i mean i saw that freezer it's very tiny i don't know why it was still on i think we discussed this earlier but you saw icicles in there coming off of the little air vent i mean the fact that there is an air vent means that she didn't suffocate but Either way. I mean, it could be supposed anyway, if you're thinking about what the temperatures are in there. And let's just say, for example, it was 34 degrees after the doors had been left open for two hours. So with that in mind, it's much, much, much colder in there with everything shut off. Now, in the wilds, how long does it take for you to die of exposure when you're not dressed? Not that long. Yeah. I mean, it's matter of hours. 34 degrees Fahrenheit. So she probably had some time. And... 
when you look at the crime scene photos, so a lot of people talk to the fact that her shoe's off and that she's got a mark on her foot. It looks like she was bleeding on her foot. I think she fell down. Her clothes are covered in grime, and that freezer is pretty grimy. It's I, pretty bad. It looks like a freezer they had been using, and they got everything out of it, but no one did a really good cleaning job. It looks like a bunch of like dirt and meat residue. Yeah, so I think what's on her is stuff from that freezer. Yeah. And when she fell, her shoe either came off, or it's due to the paradoxical undressing. I'm not sure. But in, for people to claim she was sexually assaulted, there would have had to be a cover-up in CSI. And I just don't think this went that far. No, I, I don't even know necessarily if it was totally a paradoxical undressing thing. So she wasn't wearing a ton of clothes. She had on kind of like a denim type. I wouldn't a say jean it's, jacket. It's, almost. it's got like a thinner jean jacket. And she has like a bra top that was kind of thin underneath it. So she honestly could have kind of fallen out. Yeah, it's possible. Honestly, it wasn't like a very supportive top. They were saying that her pants were down, but in the videos, it looks like her pants were on just fine. Yeah, they're just low rise jeans. Like she was dressed similar to how the people she was partying with were dressed. I, I just don't think she was sexually assaulted. I, I think that this assumption is ridiculous. I don't think it's likely at all you're you're then implying that there is a big cover-up that's going on in crime scene investigation i don't think the police had that much skin in the game and her body was found it's not like she was found with organs missing like some people think that she was no i think that would have been released to the public Right. She was found that way, but I don't know. I, I think... think the police were inept. I don't think they're cover like again. I don't think they're covering up anything sinister per se. But I I do think it's a lawsuit is being you know or the means of a lawsuit is being covered up yeah. pretty well on the hotels part. Yeah, on the I, hotels part. I think that is the most likely scenario. And it's not to say that police don't completely drop the ball for people of color no they do all the time like the kendrick johnson case that's just crazy yeah absolutely that's the that, young man that got rolled up in the in the, the, mat. In the rug and that that's such a sick thing we'll probably cover that case at some point so again i'm not trying to make excuses for the police because believe me i have plenty of things i can say about them in murder cases but i just don't think that the police were in on the fix here. No, I think this is just a shitty situation. And at the end of the day, like, people lobbying conspiracy theories at Kanika's mother, this is a person. This is a young person that died. She was 19, and she died in a very tragic way. To die so young like that, just so many of these people are just looking at this as a conspiracy theory and not thinking of the human that has passed here, not thinking of the families, and it's just sad. Again, I'm not 100% opposed to conspiracy theories, but I think y'all are really reaching here, in my opinion. That's all I have. Yeah, that's all I have, I, too. I've said my piece on this. Yeah, me too. Okay, so if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Thank you, everybody, for following us and helping us out. If you haven't already done so, if you're new here and you want to hear more of these, please click subscribe and hit the bell notification because what I was just told the other day is YouTube does not like to recommend true crime content. We're a little bit underground here, so you going that extra mile for us, very, very helpful. 
well, and we appreciate yeah. that. And I also want to thank Chiffon again for suggesting this one. Yes, thank you, Chiffon. That was her username, right? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's her actual name. If it is, it's gorgeous. But yes. thank you very, very much for, for recommending this. For recommending this and for having our back in the comments. Yeah, in the Junko Furuta case. We appreciate your kind words and this case because I had not heard of it before. No. And thank you to our patrons. Yes, thank you so much, Eddie. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Marky. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Vu. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, Lauren and Anna. Yes, thank you. We love you guys so much. And if you guys want to go the extra mile to support us, every bit of money we get goes back into the podcast, patreon.com slash the misery machine. You get our weekly check-ins. You get our bonus episodes. You get postcards from us, which are going out soon. So if you want one for August, and I told Yergi we're going to wait on these a little bit in case anyone wanted one for August that, that hasn't gotten one yet. Now's your time, okay? If you're hearing this on Monday, you only got like a couple more days, if that. I might have sent them out already. I don't know. But we also have stickers now, and these are big stickers. And we are currently, for a limited time, giving them away for free. So if you want one, all you have to do is cover shipping. It's a dollar. PayPal.me slash the misery machine. Send us a dollar. Include all your information or send us an email with all your information, and we will send you out a sticker. Yeah, these are kind of big stickers that should be more than a dollar. But and, yeah. and they are very, very high quality. Yergi has one on her car, and they so far are weathering the outdoors. They're vinyl, so they're made to weather the outdoors. So yeah, we're taking a hit on this, but I don't care because these are beautiful stickers and they deserve to be out in the wild. Yes, they do. Patrons, you'll also be getting your stickers soon. Yes, very soon. I had to wait on some special envelopes because these stickers were so big, they wouldn't fit in my normal envelopes. Yes, that's... <laughs> Yeah, so it, it requires a bit more in the shipping process in order to get them out, but we want to get them out, so if you want one, hit us up. Get anything else? I don't. Okay, well, until next week. We love you. We love you very much. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>